everyone. Good to see you. Reinhard, don't, don't go just yet. Come stand for you. So, come, 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 come. Mia, come. <laughs> so, just to put Reinhard also on the spot. Um, so, this was this morning, this first time he was leading this morning. And I just want to say, Reinhard, you did super well. <laughs> you did very, very well. And, <laughs> and we just want to honor you this morning for stepping out. And, uh, yeah, I think you did super well. So, just give him a lucky round of applause. Thank you, Reinhard. And then before we start, uh, I figured out why it's, it's 40 degrees today and tomorrow also 40 degrees. It's because I'm wearing long pants. And for those that know me well, I don't normally do this. I do pluckies and shorts, and that's the way to go. But today I decided to dress neatly, and now I'm rewarded with 40 degrees. Thank you. <laughs> but the message I want to bring this morning is not a new message. Uh, we actually heard it many times, and we actually prayed about it during the fast. And this morning, I want to share about to you the message about the ABCs. And for those that are, are taking notes, I've got a, a good title. Are you ready for it? ABC, as easy as one, two, three. <laughs> so the reason why I'm, I'm sharing this message is I feel like it is, it is valuable for us to know the ABCs well. And I'm going to get to what the ABC stands for in a moment. But for us as a body, for us as a congregation, we need to get our values right. Our foundation must be strong. As Jesus is the cornerstone of the church, this is our foundation, the ABCs. Okay, are you guys ready? Awesome. So we're going to start with A, which is abide. Other definition is remain in. So what do we abide in? Who are we abiding in? How does it look? How does it, how does it play out? And for us to know who to abide in, we need to start at the beginning. So Cassie, can I please get John 1 on? So John 1, verses 1 to 4, reads as follow: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was made with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I'm going to read again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was with God. Who is that he? That he is Jesus. So Jesus was with God in the beginning, and through Jesus all things were made, and without Jesus nothing was made that has been made. So already we know when we are abide, we are abiding in Christ. We are abiding in God because through Him, everything was made. And without Him, nothing was made. So already we know we have got a higher power. That scripture Mikey brought this morning about Colossians. Jesus is the Son of the invisible God. He is mighty. He loved us in our trespasses. That's the one we are abiding in. So already we're speaking about a vertical relationship. We've all heard motives speak about we have relationship here and we're going up vertically with, between us and God. But you see, abiding or remaining is not only this relationship, but it is also this relationship with one another. My next scripture, John 15, verses 1 to 6. I am the true vine. This is now Jesus speaking. And my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken. Remain in me, 
other words, abide in me as I also abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide or remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And here comes the important part. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not you can do some things, you can do nothing. So apart from God, if we are away from Jesus and God, we can do nothing because everything was made not only through Him, but for Him. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, if you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. So we need to stay in connection with God. We need to be a part of God because without God, we are nothing and we're going to be like a branch. Who knows a vineyard? A weinstock, vingertstock. So what normally happens in June, July, the people start pruning. And what they do is they cut away the old wood that is not needed. As, as Jesus has said, my father is a gardener. He prunes. So they are pruning June, July. And that old wood is thrown in the middle of the row and is there left to wither. Apart from the branch, from a true vine, that branch cannot grow anymore. After they prune them, after they cut the branch off, nothing will grow. That is as good as firewood. Then the workers come, they pick it up. They're going to make fire with it to, you know, briabiki. But already we know that apart from God, we can do nothing. So we need to know, we need to abide in the Creator. We need to abide and remain in Christ. We need to work on this relationship. Acts 2.42 reads as follows. They devoted themselves. These are now the, the early church goers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I'm just going to stop there for now. So not only did the early churchgoers devoted themselves with this relationship to the teachings that the leaders gave to them, but they also devoted themselves to one another. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which is communion, but also eating with one another. They devoted themselves in prayer, communionally praying with one another. It's as a group. And then the last one, they devoted themselves to fellowship, to braai. They devoted themselves to having a relationship with one another. So yes, this is important, but this is also important. If we do not abide in one another, we will go nowhere. So with abiding, I've, I've created three key words that I want us to remember when we think about A as abiding. The first one is the word seeking. Remember the S for seeking. Now the difference between seeking and looking is the following. Currently, I'm standing here. I am looking at you. You guys are sitting on the chairs. You are looking back at me. But the difference between looking and seeking is the following. Say I lost my phone. Then I go to the couch. Then I go to the fridge. Is it in there? Then I go to Anay. Liffy, where's my phone? You see, there's an action to it. There's a, when you seek for something, it's normally something that's lost or you still need to find it. Now, God calls us to seek Him. Colossians 3, verse 1. And there we go. <laughs> if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, sealed at the right hand of God. 
God calls us to seek Him. Continually seek Him. It's an active pursuit. Matthew 7, 7 says the following. It's a quite a well-known verse. Ask and it will be given to you and then seek and you will find. It's a promise that the Lord has given us. If you seek Him, you will find Him. The Bible says so. Seek and you will find. So we need to be a seeking generation. We need to be a body that seeks the Lord. The second S I wanna, want us to, to look at is surrender or surrendered. To abide well in the Lord, not only do you have to seek Him, but you also need to surrender. Who knew better to, to, to know as an example as Christ Himself? Luke 22, verse 42. This is just before Jesus gets crucified. It reads as follows. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But yes, important part. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I know Morris also preached it when, he, when we did the whole series about prayer. Not my will, but your will be done. Immediately you're having a hard posture of, Lord, not me, not my desires, what I want to do. You're going, but God, let your will for my life be done. Not my desires. I want to go take a, a nap. No, 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 no. But your will be done, Lord. So we need to have a hard posture of a surrendered disciple, a follower of Christ. We need to seek Him, but we also need to say, Lord, may your will be done, not mine. And the last one about, of, of abiding is selfless. Now, this goes hand in hand with the word surrender. The last is. Now, I'm going to read the definition of selfless because in my broken English it will not come across clearly. But the definition is as follows. Selfless is concerned more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own. Concerned more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own. So to abide well within the Lord, to have this relationship as well as this relationship, the horizontal relationship, we need to be selfless. We need to be more concerned with the needs of others than our own. And this goes hand in hand with surrender. Amen? Everyone still following? So the three S's about abiding, if we want to abide well as a family, we need to be a seeking body. We need to seek the Lord because if we seek Him, we will find Him. We need to be a surrendered body saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And we need to be selfless, especially when it comes to this relationship. We need to be a selfless generation, a body that says, I'm more cared about what your needs are than my own. And if we do this well, we abide well with what the Lord has given us. That's the A done. Now we're moving to B. So the B is belonging. And last year during one of the gatherings, Andrew said the following phrase, and it really stuck with me, and it is, no random citizen. Who could remember that? Only a few. Okay, we need to go back. <laughs> So Andrew has this saying, no random citizen. And what that means is that everyone that walks through that door is not a stranger. We want to commit to get to know that person so that that person may feel welcome and fit into the body. You see, when I walk through those doors, I don't want to be alone and afraid because there's so many eyes looking at me. No, I want to walk in and feel I'm at home. I'm not a random citizen. Someone knows me. Someone knows my name, my desires, how they can help me, what to pray for, and even what to feed me. Steak? Someone knows those desires. And <laughs> sorry. 
And I do not feel like a random citizen, especially when I walk into this family. I must say we're very good at welcoming people in and actually keeping them here. So we are not called to do this alone. The Bible says in Psalms that Jesus takes the lonely and places them into a family. So immediately that tells me that we are not meant to run this race alone. We are meant to do it together. That's where the belonging comes into. So just as abiding at three words, I want to teach us another three words for belonging. And it starts off with friends. So if you want to belong to this family or fit into this family, you need to have friends. But you see, this is also where the difficult things comes in. Especially with a big congregation like ourselves, you might know a lot of people, but do you have a lot of friends? You see, when I walk through the doors, I know most of everyone sitting here, but do I really have a, like an intimate relationship with them? And this is actually something my wife and I, we, we struggled with a few years ago because all our close friends, they were sent away to different congregations or they moved to different nations and they were serving and doing the things of the Lord over there. But we had a season where we did not have any friends, which is not what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to have family and friends within the church. So what we had to do is we needed to give of ourselves. So the Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 7, a man reaps what he sows. So if you want friendships, you need to, to, to sow friendships. And then you will reap it as well. If you want to have great friends, and I must say, the friends that you make in church are the friends for life. Just to test about our friends in the Netherlands, we don't see them every day. But we're still very close to them. Because we're friends for life. Because the Jesus placed us, we were lonely, and he placed us into a family. And even though our family might be overseas, we are still one. We still love them. We still video call every now and again. So friends are important because they strengthen us when we are weak. You know, the world does happen. We have jobs. Not everything goes as it must go. You know, not everything is monskane and rosa. But that's when we have friends that come and they strengthen us when we are weak. And the friends you make in church are the friends for life. That was the first one, friends. The second one is fellowship, another if. Now fellowship can go two ways and mean two things. So normally when we think about the word fellowship, we think about braying and games and doing something fun together. And yes, that is important. And that is one aspect of fellowship. It's actually doing things with one another, doing things with fellow believers. We need to do it because we're called to do it. Acts 2.42 says they were devoted to fellowship. So it's a godly principle to be with your friends and your family to play games. What's the Six Nations together? You know, what's the rapi, the cricket, whatever. Play katan, any board games that you want. It's fellowship. But then fellowship also has a part B, a second part. And that is not only just carrying together, but we are running together this race. And that's in the form of accountability, of prayer, doing Bible study together. We do fellowship together, running the race hard for Jesus. And with our friends and family helping us along the way, we can run well. And if we stumble, we have friends to catch us and pull us back on the straight and narrow. 
So fellowship is important. We've got friends are important. Fellowship is important for belonging. And then the final one is family. Another if. Now this also ties hand in hand with friends. But family is important. And how do you get, how do you get added to a family? There's two ways. The first way is you are born into it. Duh. So normally you, your mom and your dad, they were a family of two. Then you came along, now you're a family of three. You are born into it. Now in the body of Christ, in our church, how that looks is you are born again. Meaning that you have given your life to Christ, saying, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And Jesus went and he added you from where you were in that lonely place, but he added you into a family, and now you're in a family of believers. You are born into that family by giving your life to Jesus. The second way is you get married into it. Now, in our case, I was a family of my own, and I was a family of her own. And when we got married as a couple, we became one. And as spouses, what do you do? You lay your life down for that other person. And the same way as you are being born into this family, married into this family, remember, Christ is the bridegroom, we are the bride. As we are married into this family, we need to give ourselves as we give ourselves to our spouses. Meaning, not my will, but what is your will for the church, Father? What is your will for the church? Yet again, not my desires. What can I do to make this kingdom advance in our midst? Giving myself selflessly, sacrificially, giving of myself. As a spouse would give to his better half. So those are the three F's of belonging. It's friends, it's fellowship. And it's family. The last one, the C for ABC, is contribute. God wants us to contribute towards the family. Because it gives us identity. It gives us purpose. And it adds value. If you are a part of a team, say it's a sports team, you add value to that team because without you, there, there would have been a gap. The same with the church family. God wants you to be a part of the team because you bring value to the team because He has given you gifts, He has given you talents, or something to add towards the family. You are not here just to be a, a, a empty, not an empty seat, a seat. In Afrikaans, we are not called to do be that. We are called to be a part of the family, to fit in, to contribute. And yet again, as, the, as abide and belonging, also have got three other words to, to help us to contribute well. So the first thing is we need to contribute with our time. And Anil's word was actually so beautiful. But we need to contribute in our time, and it means not only just a Wednesday and a Sunday. We are called to give everything we have as much as we can, as often as we can, you see, if we, we bring up Acts 42, and I think it's in verse 46, if I'm not mistaken, Cassie. So the, the earlier disciples, they were devoted to the apostles' teachings, and they were devoted to fellowship, to prayer, and to the breaking of bread. But then in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now, I'm not saying that we need to meet here every day. No. I'm saying, how much time do you devote spending time either with fellow believers or with Christ. How much time do you give and set out today? Is it just a Wednesday or a Sunday? Is it 10 minutes in the morning? 
how much time do you give? Because the early disciples, they met every day. Time and time and time again. So we need to give of our time. You see, when we make disciples in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That disciple-making takes time. You're not going to go out here on the street and you go to work and you're going to say, So, yeah, my disciple, yes? It doesn't work like that. It takes time. It takes relationship to be built. You need to have coffees. You need to invite them over. You need to have maybe difficult chats with them. And that's going to cost you time. But we are called to contribute towards that. That's the first one. The second T is talents. So God gave you gifts to bless and also to add towards the body. When we read about it in, in Corinthians, the, the spiritual gifts, it says that the Holy Spirit chooses which gift to give to certain people. And that gift that you received, you can use to not glorify yourself, but to edify the church, to bring value to the church. Meaning, if you've got the gift of leading worship like Noah has, he's going to lead worship or he's going to bring a sense of leading us into worship. I do not have that gifting. I do not sing. But I have other giftings, and the Lord has placed me in this body to bring something else. The Bible says we are many parts of a body. Not everyone can be the nose. Not everyone can be the foot. But all together, as a body, we will form a running vessel that will go. So we each have a part to play, a talent to give that the Lord has given you. But to see, the problem that we do is sometimes we add more value to certain talents than others. Because it's a little more glamorous to lead worship up here than to pack out a chair. But you see, in God's eyes, it doesn't matter. As long as you are a worthy vessel wanting to be used by Him, He will use you in any way, in every form. For instance, me speaking up here. I'm not a fan of public speaking. I don't really like it. <laughs> but the Lord... It's using me in a way that makes me a bit uncomfortable, but he's using me because I'm willing to be used. And that is the, the posture that we need to have, that, yes, Lord, you've given me talents. It doesn't matter what talent that I have, might be practical, spiritual, or whatever, use me in any way you feel fit to use me, and I am your empty vessel. As we said in abiding, we're going to have a surrendered, selfless life. Then the final T for contribute is treasure. And immediately people think of finances. And Umi Han gave an excellent finance teaching. But yes, it's not only just money, earthly treasure. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you find treasure in money, your heart is going to be there. But if you find treasure in our family, that's where your heart is going to be. And that is where you're going to place most of your life is with there. But the kingdom also uses finances. So we are called to give to further the kingdom. So we are called to give our tithes. We are called to give our offerings. We are called to give into the alms account. Because those accounts blesses others in our midst. The alms account helps those that are in need. It helps those that are, that are struggling. 
And even in Acts 42, they say, until 47, they say they sell their possessions to give to those in need. And that is exactly what the arms account also does. You see, people deposit money into it, and that is being used faithfully to serve and to help those that are in need. Just as the early church did, we are also doing it now. So con to, contribute, uh, sorry, to contribute well, we need to give of our time, we need to give of our talents, and we need to give treasure. One morning during prayer meeting, when we were fasting, I had the following image or revelation that God reminded me of a, of a scripture, and I want us to read it together. It's in Matthew 14, uh, verses 13 to 21. Okay, let's read it together. When Jesus heard what has happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large, large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and, they, and it is already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Uh, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So one morning during prayer meeting, the Lord gave me the scripture, and what he showed to me is actually quite cool. And this is in the area of contributing. So there were a large number of people. They say about 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children, but a lot. But the only thing that I had was, was uh, two fish and five loaves. But you see, someone had to contribute those. If you think about it in a large crowd, what that person could have said was, okay, cool, I'm sorted. I've got my fish and my five loaves. I don't care about the rest of them. I am sorted. But no, that person had the hard posture to say, listen, I've got a fish the other one would have said, I've got a loaf of bread. That one would have said, I also have a fish. And together they could give it to Jesus. They could bring it to him out of a place saying, Lord, this is what I have. It is most likely all that I have, but I'm going to give it to you. And from that hard posture, God went and he multiplied whatever they brought. And they used it not only to feed the 5,000, but they even have leftovers. There was 12 baskets full remaining afterwards. So what the Lord is, was saying to me is, Richard, you just bring what you have, I will do the rest. If all that you can bring is one loaf, it's fine. I'm going to do the rest. And that is the same as contributing. Sometimes people measure up to other ones sitting next to him. But listen, that guy contributed so much, but I can only give this little there's this verse in the gospel about this lady giving tithes. And they compared it to another gentleman who was rich, who gave a lot. But this lady only, I think she had two coins. And that was all that she had. And Jesus said afterwards, 
What she did was so much more greater than the other one because she gave all that she had. And it's the same with contributing. It doesn't matter what the guy next to you give. We're not supposed to compare to one another. We're supposed to help one another, not judge, help one another to walk out this thing faithfully. That's where fellowship comes in. We're going to run together faithfully. We're going to do this. I'm not going to judge you because you can only give a 10 rand. Because the Lord can use that 10 rand in any way possible. And it's the same with our giftings. If you've got a gifting of doing something practically, the Lord will use that gift because you are faithful with it. Amen? So we've got the ABCs. A is abiding. And how we abide well is we need to seek the Lord. We need to live surrendered lives and also a selfless life. Meaning, we need to worry more about other people than we worry about ourselves. Because in the end, our Father is a good Father and He knows how to give good, good gifts. If we ask Him a, 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 a bread, He will not give us a stone. Then be as belonging. As a family, we need to belong to one another. We need to have friends. We need to fellowship together. And we need to be slotted into a family. But you see, for some of us, it's a bit more difficult to slot in than to others. But that's why the Bible says, just ask. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, and knock, and the door will be opened for you. You will reap what you sow. If you're struggling to make friends, reap friendship. Ask, sow friendship, and you will reap it. We can testify out of our lives. There was a season where friends were few and scarce. But now, after we, we sowed friendship, we're starting to reap it a bit more. Then C, contribute. Time, talents, and treasure. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us our talents. And it's going to cost us our treasures. But we do not live for earthly treasures. We live for a kingdom treasure. And what I want us to do is we're going to pray together now. But before we pray is, why do we do the ABCs? You know, these are amazing tips. These are amazing tools. But why do we do the ABCs? And I mentioned the scripture earlier, and it's in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. We do these things as a family it's because we are called to do it. Therefore, go into the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is our calling to be a part of a family and to make disciples, to bring another one into the family. Lausanne always says, make this circle bigger. It is our calling to do that. And with the ABCs as our foundation, if we abide well, we show belonging, especially to the new people walking through the door, and we model what good contribution looks like, it will go well. Our foundation will be solid. So can we quickly stand? I want us to pray together. And what we're going to do is, we're going to break it up into three areas. I want us to respond where you are. We're going to respond to each and every area. 
So what I mean about that is we're going to do abide first. And if you are struggling to abide in the Lord, and especially abide with your fellow friends and family around you, if you are struggling to be devoted to the elders' teachings, to the leaders around you, I really do believe that there's grace this morning that the Lord will give you to abide well. So with every eyes closed, if you are struggling to abide this morning, or there's some area in your life where things are not going too well and that you feel a bit selfish sometimes, you can't surrender just yet, or you're struggling to seek the Lord in your quiet times, would you be so bold and just quickly raise your hand? Yes, just keep those hands in the air. I really do believe that the Lord is going to bring breakthrough this morning. So if you see someone around you with a hand raised, just stretch out to them. And I'm going to quickly pray for us. Father, I thank you this morning that you are good. And this morning, even during the worship, you could really sense the presence of Jesus in this place. Jesus, so I pray that your will be done. I pray that your will be done for those that are raising their hand. I pray that you would help them to seek you, Lord. That you would help them to surrender their lives and say, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And I, to help them to be a selfless people. A people that cares about those around them. That worries more about their desires than their own. And Father, I pray that you would give him the gifting to act out, Father, and to, to be a generous people, to be a loving people, to love those around them, Father, because you have placed us into this family. And I pray that our quiet times, our secret place, would be fruitful. John 15 says, If we abide in you, you abide in us. And if we abide in the vine, there will be much fruit. So I pray for fruit this morning. And then I want to pray for us in the area of belonging. So for those that feel a bit on the outskirts, you've been a part of the family for a while, or even you're new, but you're struggling to fit in or you feel unwelcome sometimes. And I feel like there's a lot of them. And I want us to be very bold. If you are struggling and you feel a bit lonely in this family, would you also be so brave and just raise your hand? If you're struggling to make friends or you don't feel like you fit into the family, please raise your hand. This is not something to be ashamed about with every eyes closed. I do believe the Lord wants to bring breakthrough in the area of family. Don't be shy. I myself came out of a place of that feeling lonely within the church. And I found breakthrough by being vulnerable, by being open. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, your Father. I want to thank you, Lord, that we, can, that we can gather, Lord, and that we can call in your name. The name above all names. 
the one that places lonely into family, the one that knew us in our mother's wombs. Father, you know what is best for us. And sometimes this world comes and steals. And sometimes this world comes and breaks relationships. Or it gives a false identity of how a friendship should actually look. But no, Father, in this church, in this family, there is true friendships to be found. And I pray for opportunities, Lord, for people to be vulnerable, for people to step out and say, listen, I want to be your friend. I pray that we would not feel lonely, Lord, but that we would feel loved and that we fit in. Father, because loneliness brings division, and that is not of you. You bring unity, Lord. And I pray for that this morning. And then the last area, sorry guys, I know it's getting a bit long, is in the area of contributing. If you are struggling to give of yourself, your time, your talents, and your treasures, I also want you to raise your hand. We're going to ask the Lord to help lead us, the Holy Spirit to lead us, to send people across our, our lives that will help model contributing well. You see, it's not about earthly treasures. Matthew 6 said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we're going to trust that the Lord will place your heart in the right place this morning. That your treasure will not be found on earthly things, but in kingdom things. The Bible says, put first the kingdom of God and the rest will follow. So please keep those hands raised. And if you see someone next to you, place your hand on their backs. We're going to trust together as a family. Father, we thank you that we can be a contributing generation. A selfless generation that, that knows how to give time, talents, and treasures. Father, I pray through your Holy Spirit that you would guide us in this area of contributing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would send people along our paths that will model contributing. And I pray, Father, this is not a shameful thing, Father. This is real. And that you are great and gracious to help us. Father, I pray um, in the area of contributing, um, maybe where the enemy has come with lies, like you're not good enough. Who are you to bring a word? Who are you to, to pray out loud in prayer meeting? Who are you to disciple someone? Who are you? And I just, I, I feel like where the enemy has come with accusation that's keeping people from stepping out. Lord, I trust that you would come and break the yoke of the accuser's voice in our lives. Lord, would you come silence the mouth of the enemy? And I trust that, that you would come and show us that there is a wide open space for each and every one of us to contribute. And I thank you that... You've placed every person specifically in this body and that there are things that we will miss out on if those people don't contribute who they are. And so, Father, I trust that your truth would come and silence the lies of the enemy and that you would just come and show what each of us are called to give in this season. Amen. We're almost done, guys.